What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the In Pursuit Podcast. Tonight, I have my very good buddy, Adam Pullman, on here. He's going to be talking a little bit more about his intro into fitness, a little bit more about nutrition and training, and really the current state of fitness and nutrition and training. We want to share a little bit more with you guys. He and I share a lot of the same uh, beliefs as it relates to nutrition, fitness, and training, and really just trying to help change people's lives. So, Welcome, Adam, to the show. What's up, buddy? Oh, nothing, man. Dude, it's so awesome to be here. I was stoked. I am I feel like I've been wanting to do this forever, so I feel like I'm just, uh, I don't know, man. I'm honored. I'm on cloud nine right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a pretty big deal, man. You know, this podcast is, uh, I think I got about 100 people that maybe listen to it, so it's kind of a big deal. Awesome, dude. Of course it's a big deal. You're the host. <laughs> Come on. Come on. You know, the hardest part about running a podcast is, uh, is trying to find time to do it all oh yeah of course i mean because if especially if you're interviewing people well one if you want to have high quality content especially if you're interested in the topic you can just go off and you can just spend crazy amount of time and then if you want to interview people you're interviewing another human being so it's a conversation and you're gonna spend hours doing that too so it's like if you want to have really high quality content that's not cut short you're gonna have to block out hours so i'm sure i mean i'm trying to start one this year hopefully at some point um and so i can't even imagine you know because i'm trying to think that's the first thing that came to mind where it's like, dang, I'm going to have to carve out a lot of time and sacrifice other things to make that part work. I mean, cause I was just thinking about, um, like I just mentioned, I was meeting with, uh, Joe Buckner the other day, mutual friend of ours, well, mutual friend now. And we sat there for like two hours just talking about random health and fitness stuff. So when you're kind of in the groove and you meet someone else and you're interviewing someone else or you're talking to someone else that's in the same field and has the same interests, you can just go nuts with it. <laughs> yeah. That's the hard part is trying to line up with people to do that, you know? Right. Doing like a solo cast can be daunting at times. Yeah. How, how is it, How have you found that? Like, how has that gone for you so far? Because I know that was like when I was trying to think of, okay, if I start a podcast, what's that going to look like? That was one of my things at first was like, well, I don't, you know, talking to the camera is one thing, but I've never actually sat down and just recorded audio on my own um, without having like, you know, a conversation with someone else. So how, how has that been going for you? Um, you know what I found works really, really well is when I find something that like, I don't know, gets me triggered. Like I was on Twitter, I was on Twitter, I was on Twitter the other day. Right. Sure. And there's like keto zealots on there. Just, Oh well, yeah, of course. Oh my God. It's, it's fun. But at the same time, it's just like, you feel like you're punching yourself in the face. Cause you're just talking to people who literally have circular logic about everything. So anyways, it right. like sheds some light on everything that's wrong with the state of nutrition and training. So like that got me a little bit fired up. So kind of like I was in a good place to get on there and just rip out a five minute rant, essentially. I don't know if you right. heard that part. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. And you just, because I definitely could tell you were like, you were definitely in the groove and you had found, you found your like, your central, your central point and your central, I don't want to say argument, but your central topic and you were just zoned in. And so you could just easily crank out five minutes. Exactly. So that that's the hard part is when you're trying to like fabricate, like I want to talk about this specific topic. It doesn't really make way, it work no, that well. No, way too um, difficult. And people smell yeah. that from a mile away. I mean, it's, I mean, I could totally see it. And then you also notice that I mean, listening to other podcasts when they host people and they shell up and then it's like question, answer, question, answer. It's kind <laughs> of like a, you know, a legitimate conversation where we're sitting here talking as human beings, just trying to get to know each other. So, I mean, it's definitely like, it, I can definitely tell it's an art and I'm sure just like, you know, I'm sure you have at some point and I definitely have, I'm going to come back. If I start a podcast, I'm going to come back and look to the first few episodes and be like, Oh my gosh, that's a Royal. That was a Royal POS job. I did right there. The same thing I did like recording video. Yeah. The same thing I did recording videos. I come back and I'm like, wow, that was the worst video ever. But at the time I was like, Oh, I'm so sick. That was an awesome video. I talked about so many cool things. Horrible. (laughs) 
It's 100% accurate. I literally that- went back to my podcast and like tore down some shit. Cause I, I'm just interested in so many different things, but I mean the core of everything that I do ties back to fitness, nutrition and training. So sometimes it's easy to want to talk about all this stuff, but you kind of got to know your audience and just hunker down what you're really passionate about and what you know Absolutely. inside not because it's super authentic. Otherwise it can feel a little disingenuous or forced sometimes. So. Oh, totally agree. Yeah. hundred percent agree. But you, you would kill it with podcasts, man. I you're appreciate that. I you're naturally that. made to be on the mic and definitely not on camera. <laughs> that was good. I should have saw that coming, but I didn't see it coming yeah. at all. <laughs> oh my so God. speaking of home runs, oh I, you, you and I sat down and had lunch a few months ago. It's funny yeah. how like, if I get podcast, like, yeah, we that, sat down. And remember when well, you, tried to sit, you tried to sit down and then you spilled a bunch of water like an idiot. Oh, fuck, I did. <laughs> fuck, man. That was so embarrassing. That was so. Um, I feel like I just literally spoke coffee on myself like right before this podcast. You, you just Dude, I, oh my gosh, that's funny you said that because that I just got back from a grad party and I had ice cream all over my shirt. <laughs> I smell ice cream everywhere. Wait, you eat ice cream, unbelievable. Yeah, I know oh, ketos. I know, right? I know. I eat ice cream. Sue me. <laughs> all right, so so we were talking about baseball that you were playing baseball mm. in college. Actually, pretty damn yeah. good baseball. I and well. Sorry for you to get into the, yeah, the fitness so, world. Yeah, so it was um, it was a whole ordeal, man. I mean, so I grew up, <clears throat> I grew up playing baseball my whole life, and it was one of those. Um, I never understood those kids that were like, "Oh, I'm just playing it for fun," you know. And it's like they never want to do anything after high school. That I mean, if that's your thing, whatever. But it just didn't make any sense to me. So I was one of those kids where it was like, okay, if I'm playing rookie ball, I'm trying to get on the next best team, or I'm trying to get on the next best team it's in a different league and then after that i'm gonna get to the you know the best high school in my city that i can play for and then after that i'm gonna try to get the best college you know so there's always something after that and i dedicated my whole life to that and especially as like a young kid there's no um it's really hard to find your identity and who you are versus what you do because as a young kid and especially as a man you're trying to look for for you're trying to look for some sort of validation from any sort of performance that you're putting on and so through baseball, you know, I got good. I was horrible at all other sports and I actually wanted to quit baseball. I wanted to quit baseball my first year after my first year. And my dad was like, well, you know, you didn't really practice and I'm not going to let you quit something that you didn't actually try to do. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever dad. And so we practiced together uh, every single day after that. And I got really good at it and I ended up enjoying it. Um, And so throughout that kind of, you know, became identified with you know, this person of Adam, the pitcher, or Adam, the baseball player, whatever you want to call it. And then went to college um, at North Dakota State for a couple years. And it was like, oh, I'm going to play Division One baseball. I'm not going to do anything else. I wish, you know, whatever. I mean, I not looking back, I'm just like, I wish I would have went somewhere else to, to learn and grow. Because at that point, you know, I thought I'd, I'd known everything about pitching, but obviously that's not the case. Um, and so I went there for a couple years. And then my second year, I think no, looking back due to a combination of a few different things, like one, for example, um, just making a bunch of stupid mistakes, partying too much, um, keeping my eye off of baseball, I kind of felt like, oh, I had been working for a college scholarship this whole time. I had made it. Even though my dream was still to go play professionally after that, I kind of like got comfortable. Um, so there was that. And then when I got to college, my coaches tried to like break down my whole form and almost reteach me how to pitch, even though what I had been doing um, must have been working because it got me some sort of scholarship. So there are a lot of factors that went into it. Um, I got a little lazy too. And then I got the yips, which we talked about at lunch the other day. And that's like for, for the people listening that don't know, it's basically like this mental block um, in your mind. It's something that's studied a lot in sports psychology right now. You see it in 
um, <clears throat> a lot of golfers. And then in baseball, you see it in catchers. Uh, if you've ever watched the movie, for everybody listening, if you ever watched the movie Major League, that's going to be a great example of the yips right there where the catcher can't throw it back to the pitcher. And essentially what happens is you just overthink um, the simplest of things and then you you just think about it so much that you almost forget how to do it. So I got to a point where I was overthinking throwing and pitching so much that I basically essentially forgot how to throw unless I was zinging the ball as hard as I possibly could. So at first it wasn't that big of a deal. you know. It was just catch. you know. So once I got out to a certain distance, I could throw – hard and then I didn't have to think about it as much because I didn't have a choice but to wing it over there but then it started to in my second year it started to affect my pitching and then um, after that happened I lost my scholarship well I lost half my scholarship the first year and then all of my scholarships so the second half of my scholarship after my sophomore year and then after that um, I, I went home I didn't really have a choice you know I wasn't I'm from Fort Collins. I was going to school in Fargo, North Dakota. I had a couple of good friends out there on the team. But other than that, that was it. There was no like support system outside of school or baseball. So I went back home. And then obviously since baseball had you know seemingly came to an end, I was super depressed, didn't know who I was, didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. And then um, from there, my so my dad grew up bodybuilding and he – We've always gone to the gym, I mean, as a family, whether my parents working out and I was still in diapers in the nursery or whatever, but we were always going to the gym. And so that was kind of a regular thing. So he would invite me and we'd go work out, work out together. That way I could kind of get my mind off of um, baseball or the lack thereof and uh, kind of try to, I don't know, for, just forget about it in some sense. And I began to see that as like a therapy um, because it kind of made me numb to everything that was going on. I could kind of get lost in a workout. Even if I didn't enjoy it too much, I could kind of get lost and kind of forget about things. Um, and after a while I started to actually notice like changes in my body. And so, and in my performance as well, I mean, cause we had a lift in baseball, but it wasn't, you know, it was like an hour, you know, four days a week. And it wasn't, it was more geared towards performance versus, you know, aesthetics. So once I had started lifting, um, and seeing improvements in my body, I was like, oh, this is very interesting. I wonder if I actually applied myself versus just coming here to throw some weights around to take my anger out. And so I started doing that, saw some pretty significant changes. And I, um, I think, you know, looking back on it now, I really seem to enjoy lifting, um, and lifting in order to shape and sculpt my body because it kind of related to pitching in, in the sense of like, although I'm with a team out in the field, I'm the only one up there on that mound and it's just me. And every single second and every single movement that is put into one pitch that can have many different ripple effects all comes down to me and what I did. And so I kind of like that same concept with lifting everything that I wanted to be. It was dependent on what I did at that current moment. So I kind of saw some appreciation in that. And then um, once I really developed a love for fitness and health through that, I was like, okay, you know, I know I'm really good with people. I know I'm social. I know I'm very outgoing. Uh, there's got to be some way I can, you know, either, you know, uh, find a, a job to do while I'm in school or maybe make a career out of it. So that's when I got into uh, personal training. And then I started training at the gym at a gym here in Fort Collins for a few years. And then I realized at some point, I was like, well, if I want to, you know, make a decent living, I'm going to have to be here from 5am to 6.30pm every single night. And, you know, as someone in there, someone is 19, because I think I was 19 at the time when I first got certified. So 19. And then in the early 20s, that's not a huge deal, you know, because I wasn't dating anybody. I didn't have any, you know, serious commitments outside of school. So that wasn't a crisis. But I knew that one day if I was going to get married, if I had kids, I didn't want to be a slave to some sort of building. Although I kind of had an open schedule, I could schedule clients whenever I didn't want to be a slave to a building and feel like I had to be somewhere only to come home and spend whatever 30 minutes to an hour before, you know, I had to go to bed to get ready for the next day that starts at 5am. You know what I mean? So I just got to a place where 
I was like, okay, I got to find a different space. I got to find a different way to touch people's lives. Um, and kind of a side note, I also realized that, okay, most people that are doing personal training um, can, even if they can afford a trainer, they're only coming in once, maybe twice a week. It's pretty rare where you see people coming three or four times a week. Um, and I realized that I would see them for the, for the hour and I would train whatever, 10 to 12 clients in a day, go home, be exhausted. And they wouldn't get the most attention, the best attention that they needed to reach their goals because there wasn't any sort of health stuff going on. There wasn't sort of, uh, or any sort of sleep being addressed, nutrition being addressed. Because if I'm speaking honestly, I wanted to go home and I wanted to relax and go to bed before I had to be, you know, up at the gym the next day at 5 a.m. And so I, I realized I'm doing some of these people a disservice. There's got to be a better way I can touch people's lives, um, create relationships, and then also, um, bring people to their health and fitness goals. And that's, so that's, I mean, you know, medium story long, basically how I got into the, uh, the online coaching space. And I've been doing that ever since. I mean, I'm, I'm all about it. I'm pretty much obsessed to say the least. <laughs> yeah, man, you have really seen you come a long way in developing your brand online, which has been really, really cool. And to actually see the impact that you really are making on people's lives. I think every trainer kind of goes through that at one point. The global gym model is definitely not set up for trainers to succeed. And it really does just come down to hurting the clients and the customers at the end of the day, because what's going to make somebody who's getting like 15 bucks an hour, 20 bucks an hour, really want to put in more time than they have to when they're there. It's just, it doesn't exist. Right. So, and we can all sit here, we can all sit here and pretend like we're the greatest people ever and be like, oh yeah, even if I, you know, work 10 hours in a day training 10 to 12 clients, I would still go home and, you know, make sure I'm managing nutrition for, you know, those whatever 30 clients that I have for five hours. Like, come on, you know, there's a point where you have <laughs> yourself to provide for, you're going to eventually have other people to provide for, and you need some sort of, you, you, you have to get paid for what you're doing. It's just the way it is. Um, and then it's necessity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's an absolute necessity. And everybody thinks like it's a, you know, it's a selfish thing or whatever, but I can, you know, I choose to look at it as a tool. You know, if I'm best monetizing the services I'm providing, that means I can have a higher income or more money to, to serve more people in a better way and constantly be improving. And so I just saw that there was, there was kind of no place to grow in that environment. Although I do think that if you're a trainer starting out, you should definitely be training in person for at least a few years before you do any sort of online coaching. Um, I, just, I just saw that in that space, there wasn't much room for me to grow to the, to the, you know, the place I wanted to be. And I'm someone that doesn't like ceilings. I like to kind of create my own, um, world in a sense and kind of challenge myself. And I like to be in a situ situation where it's like, okay, if I don't put any work in this month, I'm not making any money. Whereas if I put in a ton, I have the potential to make, you know, a good amount of money and reach a lot of people. So I kind of like being in that situation as well. And it got, it got to a point too, like you said, with the $15, $20 an hour, you know, I was working at this gym where it's like, I'm putting in a ton of work here and you're taking 65, maybe 70% of every single client's hourly rate. <laughs> and then, the, you know, so it's like, that's not okay. And then another part of it was, you know, the clients, you, you do have clients sometimes that are like, Hey, how much of this money you're getting? And then you tell them and they're like, are you kidding me? I'm paying a, you know, whatever dollar a month membership. And then I'm giving them that much extra money for you to train me every single month. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. But basically what it came down to is just like, I need to do a better job of coaching clients and I can't do that in the space I'm in now. So I have to create the own space, my own space myself. Yep. Get it, man. Yeah. I watched for years, uh, just the personal training model fail people time and time again, and so that's kind of similar to why we started Pursuit, the gym, right. was right. 
to try to provide a higher level mm-hmm. of service to general members. I mean, we started as actually as an online coaching company. We we're doing nutrition and training called Chasing Muscle. I was Chasing doing it all by myself. Yeah. I had gotten like 30 clients and it kind of reached a point where, man, I'm getting overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And then I brought on my two partners, Zach and Sam. And then pretty soon they had, you know, 20 clients a piece. And so when the gym kind of fell in our lap, we were like, man, we have an opportunity to kind of change the way that things are done where we prioritize nutrition first and we really manage every gym members, um, the full scope, you know, to help them really get results and learn how to build a lifestyle. But then from a training model as a business owner, for me, it was super important to make sure that any of the trainers that we brought on, like not only find good talent, but make sure that you pay that talent really, really well. So mm-hmm. unlike a traditional gym model, we pay them the exact opposite. They get they get 60% of everything and the gym takes 40% and the 40% goes to paying the overhead and paying for the marketing to make sure that they have people that they can be in front of. Sure, of course. Basis. You had, I mean, especially as a, especially as a business owner or, you know, someone that's even creating a culture, you have to create a space where people feel, if you really want people to succeed, especially in a, um, job where they are under somebody or working for somebody else, you have to create a space where people feel like they are in charge of themselves. They don't have a job description. They're in charge of their own space and their own world and their own community. And they're also serving what they're also serving those people themselves. And they're also serving a deeper cause or a bigger cause, which is in your case, pursuit, the culture at pursuit. It's, I mean, it's an essential or else they're also going to have either it's going to die off or you're going to have a bad culture because you're going to have so much, you know, turnover. Yep. When I think a lot of these coaches that we have are like you, where they didn't want to be slaves to the building. So we try to give them some autonomy to just, Hey, it's your stick, man. I always tell them, I say like, if the gym blew up tomorrow, could you still operate under your own personal brand? Because if you can't, then that's what we need to help you do. Cause I want people to come to say they want to train with you as a coach and not necessarily the gym itself. The gym is just a vessel for all of us to do what we love, which is to train people and coach people. Absolutely. That whole, that whole point there is, is huge, especially I think nowadays as we see things shifting with technology, social media, um, word of mouth online, it's, I mean, the whole concept of a job resume, um, a cover letter interviews is, is, is dead. Or it's if it's not dead now, it's gonna it's gonna be soon. You have this is different. Yes, you have to create. No matter what you're in, you have to create a personal brand for yourself and allow that to grow. No matter you know what's going on in your life, the way I see it, like if I if Pullman gets Pullman Fitness gets to a place where I bring on other coaches, I don't give a crap what your experience is, and I'm not going to. Um, I'm gonna want to know how much you care about people and how much you're willing to learn because those are the two things that are the that are easily scalable. And those things, those are fires that don't, I don't need to ignite and that can't really be put out, you know, whereas if someone comes in and they just want to have to, yeah, if they just want to fill a job description, it's like, okay, well, you know, cool. Like I can just get anybody to do that. But why, you know, what's, what makes me believe that you're going to be here to actually fulfill your purpose? Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head. It's really wanting to help and coach people. I think that's the biggest problem that I see in the industry that we're in is people want to be trainers because they think it's fucking cool. And even, even people with like, I've, I've seen some of these idiots who have their dietitians and they have PhDs and they just want to show everybody how fucking smart they are. It's like, dude, that's, you're not helping anybody by throwing out this 
this information online on Twitter with no context because people just get confused. The general population gets confused. And so I go to battle with these dipshits because I'm like, you don't actually understand the power of the words that you have by saying you're a registered dietitian and saying you're a PhD and then dropping some nonsense on there. You're just, you're not helping. You're everything that's fucking wrong with it. And so like me, I'm on a mission to just take all those bastards down, like provide education to people and help them understand the core tenets so that they have context because we don't actually get nobody teaches us when we're kids about nutrition and training. No, it's like, it's like finance. You know, we're just kind of like left to figure it out. And some of us, like me, we kind of figure it out eventually. But man, I I wish somebody would have just sat down and said, "All right, bastard, here you go. This is well, how you do it." Exactly. And the problem is too is that we have <clears throat> we we tend to want to. Um, it's I kind of look at it as like. Nutrition is kind of one of those things where it's like if you're at the dinner table, it's it's up there with like religion and politics where it's like taboo to talk about the dinner table um, because people – the way the whole industry is set up is they want to really separate us. It's kind of like a divide and conquer type thing where you're you know like political. You're either Democrat or you're Republican and there's no right. – it's always subjective. There You can't – nobody can come to the middle and look at things objectively. Same thing with nutrition. You're either you know ketogenic or you eat a carbohydrate diet and it's all this – you know there's just – there's so many zealots on no matter, you know, no matter what side of the fence that they're on, there are just zealots everywhere. And so it's, it is, it does get difficult at times to sit down. And I think it takes a lot of self-awareness to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to take my own emotions out of this. What is the truth? And what do I think, how do I think that truth applies to one, my life and the people that I am coaching their lives? It's, it, it gets difficult at times because there are, there are moments, especially as a fitness coach and someone who's willing to learn and grow and have self-awareness, where your pa- paradigm completely gets shattered. I mean, it gets completely disrupted. I um, Now that I have a new site and I'm writing new blogs, I've gone to my old site and looking for those old blogs and I'm sitting there looking through the stuff I've written and I'm like, man, I there are st- there's stuff in here where it's like I didn't sit down objectively and look through this. I kind of like wrote about I kind of wrote what I wanted to hear or what I thought I wanted other people to hear versus like, here's the truth. Just sit down and go for it. And I think um, that, I mean, that's one of the biggest things I wanted to do when I started coaching people online with Poland Fitness and creating my own brand. I never wanted to call myself a guru, an expert. I just wanted to say, hey, I can't guarantee you that I know everything because that's arrogant. But what I'm going to tell you is that I'm going to literally do everything I possibly can to tell you what the truth is and how that applies to your goals in your life. So I'm going to be more of like your consultant where I am going to bend over backwards and do everything I possibly can to know you are getting what is best for you as an individual, not what my emotions think is best because I like to eat pizza versus, you know, eating low carb or yeah, low carb versus, or, you know, I like to eat keto versus eating high carb. I want to make sure that that individual is getting the truth. So I always said, okay, I'm not an expert. I'm not a guru. And I'm not, you know, some sort of, you know, specialist in every single area. Whereas I am someone who's just going to bend over it backwards, tell you everything I possibly can about the truth. And I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make sure you're headed in the right direction. And so I was, I, I kind of committed myself to saying, I, one of the commitments I made when I first started this stuff is if I did not know the answer, I was going to tell myself at that moment, every single time, I am, I am obligated to tell that person, I don't know, but I will find out for you. And my gosh, that has paid off so much in the long run. People always think this is totally like any industry. It's not just fitness coaches, trainers. People always think, oh, I shouldn't say, you know, I'm expected to know everything. I shouldn't say, I don't know. I'm going to tell you one thing right now. If I go to a doctor and they give me some answer that I know is BS, that they didn't know, I'm going to smell that from a mile away. Like if I, for example, I have epilepsy. And so if I go to my neurologist and I talk to her about nutrition, hey, 
how can I alter my nutrition? Um, I would much rather per se, you know, there aren't a lot of studies on that. I really don't know right now, but I can look into it for you versus, you know, her just relaying something that she heard one time because she wants to come off as a professional or an expert. I don't give a crap about what she wants to come off as. I just want to know that she's going to tell me the truth and do everything she can to find the truth for me. So the same thing applies for me. I'm never going to sit here and just tell people that I know everything and I'm, I'm always going to try to be as objective as I possibly can. Yeah. You know, it's funny too, is like, as I've gotten to the higher level classes and courses in my master's for nutrition, that's even how it's taught. Like they're not they're not oh, expecting yeah. you to remember like a, you know, the table uh, on page 359 on the best nutrition for patients that are on dialysis. They're expecting you to understand the concepts so that you can conceptualize and interpret the data and then make decisions in order to help those people through Absolutely. whatever they're going through. And so it's all about context. And I think that's what frustrates me the most is ketogenic has this place like if you like eating high fat low carb like rock on man but don't sit here and try to tell me that it's better or that it somehow negates the fact that calories in calories out matters that's the problem that's what everybody's doing those are the zealots right they're like right you can eat we can eat whatever you want if you get on keto or you can eat whatever you want if you get on vegetarian it's guaranteed to prevent cardiovascular disease it's like dude what are you talking about i'm just more practical than that like i know that 90% 90% of the people that I'm working with have families, have kids, have lives, have relationships, and they want to be able to do this for the rest of their life. So if I'm going to sit here and try to tell that dude that he can never eat a piece of cake, I'm fooling myself and I'm failing him because when he does eat a piece of cake, he's going to feel guilty and he's going to go completely off the rails and he's going to have no tangible skill set to understand how do I eat a piece of cake and and fit that in my diet and calories in, calories out. And I think I think that you and I definitely agree on that where it's like, dude, there's no, no foods are off limit per se. There's just a couple things that you need to understand, which is the calories, you're fueling your body with the proper nutrients for recovery and exercise and hormones and all that. And then you want to eat some damn M&Ms, eat some friggin' M&Ms. Right. And it's, I mean, kind of bouncing off of that, like you said, just to play devil's advocate here, I think it definitely goes both ways too, because you definitely see people, you know, in the IAFYM community, for those of you listening that don't know if you're, if it fits your macros, that's what the acronym is for. But in the IAFYM community where they just, they, they abuse it and they glorified it because 100%. it's sexy. It's something that sells. They're like, yep, I eat pizza, I eat cake, I eat donuts, um, yes. so on and so forth, you know what is what's you know everybody can do that now well it's like no you you know there are definitely essential micronutrients that we need and that are going to benefit our health extremely if we choose to make those a part of our diet so like you said it's all about understanding that the deep underlying concept of okay macronutrients make up calories so if i want to have a certain amount of calories to reach a certain goal i might need to eat a certain amount of macronutrients that's like your basic guideline but you also have to think about how is my internal health doing because health is so much more than the external people always pursue the external and they'll get to they'll go to whatever lengths they need to to find that um find the, you know, whatever shape or whatever body that they were looking for. Someone asked me um, the other day if she thought I was crazy for competing. And I was like, well, why, why are you competing? And she, um, she said, you know, it's just, a, it's just something I've always wanted to do as a, or, or something I've always wanted to do as a goal. And I'm like, no, I don't think you're crazy. But people who are crazy are the people that are like, yeah, I want to compete because I want to, um, I want my, I want to get healthy. And you're like, whoa, that's, 
that's an ex- <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's an extreme like there. There's probably some underlying shit going on. Right. There. There's underlying stuff there. And the people who are in that community are some of the most unhealthy. They have the most unhealthy relationships with food. Um I mean, across the board for the most part, because they're going to the extreme to get there. So like you said, it's all about underlying understanding that underlying concept of, okay, this is how food works. Now, taking that knowledge, how do I alter that for one, my internal health, um, my long-term health, and you know how I'm going to be performing when I'm an 80-year-old, because that's something you have to consider. Um, my goals, body composition as well, because I mean, that's something we all want to do is, is, is look better naked. And then, um, like I said, performance, how you're feeling, all that stuff, you have to take all that into consideration. So that's what I'm trying to do, and that's what you're trying to do when it comes to coaching clients, is we're saying, okay, here's how food works. We're going to teach you what is best for you depending on what your goals are because like for example, the way I have it set up at Poland Fitness is people are with me for six months and then after that we kind of look at it as a graduation. I expect myself in six months, granted the client is willing to learn, I expect myself to teach that person everything I possibly can so that in six months they're like, you know what? I feel very comfortable on my own. My, my relationship with food is better. And that way I can say, great, good for you. Go on, live your life, enjoy it. Feel comfortable you know, knowing that you have a lot more knowledge about food. Then I did my job. Whereas I think a lot of, a lot of, I mean, I shouldn't say a lot of coaches, but some individuals we kind of just want to give, we want to make people rely on us because we always feel like we always want to either have been business or feel like we're the experts. What we really need to be doing is giving people the tools that they need to do well in the world that they are in. Um, whether, whether they're, you know, they're busy moms, whether they're busy moms with corporate jobs, whether they're dad's commuting, whether they're a semi truck driver, whatever it is, we got to be able to give them the tools that they need to do well, feel, um, good and perform properly, properly, uh, in their lives. And so it all comes down to that, uh, concept of the underlying, you know, um, not guidelines, but the underlying rules when it comes to, to food. So like you said, we can't, yeah, it's uh, education. Yeah. We're like relationship coaches for them and the food that they're eating because they're just so confused about what the truth actually is. And they can't figure it out. And you're right. If it fits your macros crews are like trying to sell the pizza cause it's sexy. It's like, yeah, I enjoy some pizza too, but that the bulk of my diet, like 80% of my diet, probably 90% of my diet is good quality whole foods that are focused on fueling my body. Absolutely. And occasionally I eat a freaking cookie because it's good. You just ate some ice cream, right? Yeah. So it's, that's it's reality. That's But I ate some of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. But yeah, what would no, you say? Go ahead. What would you say the biggest, the biggest challenge is with that trying to help people reacquaint themselves oh. with food and their relationship with food. That was literally just going to start talking about that. It, it's dude, it gets hard because, um, <clears throat> you kind of have what we've done. And this is kind of going off on a tangent, a little bit of a rant about education in our, our, uh, our, our country. I don't even know if it's the world, but our country specifically, or at least the education that I was um, brought up in is it's, we are grown. We, we were taught our whole lives to hear something and accept it as truth. And if we were the kids that said, why, or why am I doing this? Or why am I doing this math problem? Why am I solving it this way? We were the bad kids. We were the kids that were, um, you know, whatever with that had ADHD that wanted, that were misbehaved. We we just didn't follow and obey orders, um, and we were classified those kids. So we we kind of grew up just hearing one thing and accepting it as truth. So for me, kind of going back to your question personally, is really difficult to try to get people to understand that, hey. 
Not one thing is always the best thing and you don't need to get married to it just because it works for you once and just because it works for someone else. Um, And there are other challenges in that too. One, because you kind of have to disassemble every single thing or every single, you know, way of learning that person has um, been taught their whole life. You kind of have to say, okay, here are the underlying concepts. How does this work with your body, with your food? If you know that carbohydrates are going to fuel you in the short term and you know that they're going to boost your performance in the gym, um, how does that apply to your workouts? How are you going to use carbohydrates for your workouts versus carbohydrates are always bad. I can't have them because they make me fat. It's really difficult to kind of unlace, for lack of a better word, kind of unlace all of that um, and lay it all flat on the table. And another thing that's difficult too is that it's way easier to think that something is the truth and just accept it and roll with it. That's just a matter of fact. I mean, look at look at the way our medicine is in this world today. I mean, if you if you like for me, I I hate taking medications right now for my epilepsy. Um, so I am doing everything I can to educate myself on how I can manage my diet so I can slowly start you know weaning off of it. Um, but that is way more difficult than taking a pill in the morning. Way more difficult. So you kind of have this, you know, this, this battle with the easy way out as a health and fitness coach, um, especially when it comes to nutrition. People, for the most part, usually understand they need to work when it comes to training. They need to put some work in um, and they need to work hard when they're in the gym. But when it comes to nutrition, it's either, you know, it's, it's just all or nothing, whether it's keto, paleo, um, if it's your macros, uh, the carnivore diet, whatever it is, the banana diet, whatever it is, it's usually um, all or nothing. So it's kind of difficult to go back and, and unlace all of that. And uh, it's it's the number one reason, like I said, it's difficult. It's just because it's, it's difficult. It's difficult for the individual, not just me as a coach. It would be much easier. I can't tell you how many people just message me and ask me, hey, can you give me a meal plan? Can you tell oh, me? Number one question yes, I get too. Yes. Can, can you give me the meal plan that's going to help me lose weight? Well, I don't know anything about your age, height, weight, gem, uh, gender, genetics. Right. Um, how you exercise. I know nothing about exactly. that. Exactly. If you think of that, they're sitting there like, well, I don't want, I don't give a crap about any of that stuff. You know, I don't want to take the time to learn that stuff. Um, and so it is, it's really difficult. So people ask me for a meal plan and I have to explain, Hey, look like, um, one, if I was legally allowed to, I still wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> and, um, two, it's just not going to teach you anything because you're going to get to a point where, oh my gosh, it's 7am and you don't have oats and blueberries with you. What are you going to do? And because, <laughs> because you don't know anything about the nutrition that you're eating and you're putting in your body, you can't make changes according to your lifestyle. And so that is difficult. But when people aren't controlling their lifestyle, style, just following a meal plan and just following orders and rules is way easier. And so that is, that is going that, you know, kind of to go back. It takes, way, it takes way more effort to educate somebody on why they're doing it. Everybody yes. knows what they want. And they, these coaches haven't figured out how to teach people about food. So they just go, here's this meal plan. And then they can spit those out at nausea and give, you know, a hundred people the same freaking meal plan. Exactly. And then get paid for it with no real real desire to help that person legitimately change their life. I don't give a shit about your trip to Mexico. I care if 30, 40 years from now, you're still able to maintain your, what you're doing now. Yes. Thank you. It's, I mean, that is another thing too, where I, you know, cause I, 
<clears throat> although I'm growing my business and would love to have a, a crap ton of clients, I am very selective with who I work with because I want to make sure that the person understands this is education. You're going to be taught on how food works and why we're doing things the way we are because I don't want you to um, be done. It, I don't one. I don't want you to think that we're just going to have you drink water for two months straight so you can lose a hundred pounds to go to, like you said, to go to Mexico. You, like if you if you want to do that, go find someone else. I'm not in the I'm not in the business of yo-yo dieting because what's going to happen is you're going to do that. You're going to go to town in Mexico and you're going to put on way more weight than you even had in the beginning. And so, it, you know, is as a person that likes to believe I have integrity, I can't. I simply can't do that. I'm not in that business. So I want to make sure that my clients understand. Hey, we're going to be in this thing for at least six months, and you're going to learn a lot about nutrition. Sure, you might not get to your goals in a month, but the thing is, two years from now, you're going to have a body that is easier to keep lean and maintain while you're enjoying all the different aspects of your lifestyle versus going on a diet, off a diet. You know, you lose ten pounds, you gain fifteen. You lose twenty, you gain twenty-five, and it's like, do you do you really want to continue that your whole life? But once again, we have this, you know. Uh, I hate using the words culture and society, but we have this culture that we, you know, we grow up in where it's just immediate, it's instant gratification. And so people don't take the time to actually think, you know, maybe when I'm 40 years old, I don't want to do that. They're just like, nope, Mexico is in three weeks. I'm trying to lose 80 pounds. And you're just like, okay, well, you know, go do your thing, but I'm not in the business of screwing you over. That, and that's the question I always ask people is, can you do this for the rest of your life? Yes, exactly. People are always like, what is, what's the, what is the best diet for me? Um, I just point back and I say, what can you do for 10 years consistently or five years consistently? And they look at me and they're like, uh, nothing. I'm like, yes, exactly. Because that's not how diets are structured. If you want to do Whole30 because you might want to figure out what intolerances you have and what makes your body act strange or what makes your body feel good, that is freaking awesome. I love that. But if you're going to do Whole30 because it's best for you because someone said that because you're going to lose a ton of weight, Eh, you know, we might need to look at something else there because you're just going to put the weight on, you know, back. And just, just to kind of touch on this too, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not slamming all of these diets. We're slamming the concept of one thing is always the best, no matter what. All of these diets are fantastic and they have a great purpose. For example, like the whole 30, great at helping you understand how your body reacts to certain foods because you're going back down to whole foods, nothing processed. You're breaking everything down. Elimination diet a great tool. If you really want to get serious and figure out is your, you know, do you have some intolerances? Does your gut act strange when you drink milk? Awesome. If you want to do paleo because you want to get better eating whole foods, fantastic. If you want to do keto because you want to feel the effects of mental clarity when you're on a high fat, low carbohydrate diet and you want to see how it affects your performance while you're at the office. Freaking awesome. But if you're going to say that, like you said earlier at the beginning of this uh, this episode, if you're going to say that one of those things is best for fat loss, then we might have an issue here because it's like, do you, do you, like you said, do you really think you want to do that for the next, you know, five years? I mean, come on. Yep. I've been working on this a lot because I've been working on a, uh, a nutrition education product and trying to help people have like a priority checklist on things that they need to go through. And so like keto, paleo, vegetarian, high carb, low carb, to me, those are just preferential eating styles. They aren't the magic. It's really, you got to have the foundation of calories in calories out. Then it comes macronutrients, right? Are you getting enough to fuel 
And there's three macronutrients. I don't give a shit what you believe. They all exist for a reason and they'll play a specific role in your body. And you need to make sure that you're getting enough of those. And then it's micronutrients. Are you getting enough of the vitamins and minerals? And then it's gut health. I don't think people actually pay enough attention to that. And then on top of that, it's preferential eating styles. And then on top of that, it's that's where supplements fit into your equation. But everything else in and around that is you're, you're doing it for the wrong reason. You're trying to take a shortcut. I always call it uh, trying to uh, a short-term solution to a long-term problem. Absolutely. And you're just going to be right back where you started. Yeah. And even like even going to the calories in, calories out thing, once again, to play devil's advocate, I mean, there's not only do people fail to try to understand food, and I think that's our job as, as fitness coaches um, that really care about the long-term health of individuals is to educate them, but people also don't really take the time to understand them and who they are and how they're built. So one of the things that I think is often neglected, I mean, because you, you, we can talk about calories in, calories out, but there's also aspects like hormones and things like that that come into play. And so it's like, take the time to figure out where your hormones are at. Is your testosterone low? Um, is there something going on with your thyroid? It, do you have some sort of HPA axis dysfunction? Uh, what, what's going on there? Because there could be a moment where you're in a caloric deficit and you might be losing a little bit of weight, but you're putting in way too much work for for you know to, to to have the little results that you're having and so you might need to take a look at what's going on with your body and like once again it's just it's difficult to do that because it's a lot of work but i mean anything worth it is going to be a lot of work because 10 years down the road you're gonna, okay, yeah, you're gonna know you're gonna be healthier for it you're gonna be able to treat yourself for it you're just gonna be in a much better place because of the work you put in for a little bit and i always i think of food tracking when it comes to that people are like people are like damn i gotta track my food for you know every single meal I'm like, you know, try not to look at it as a uh, as a negative thing. It's a very great opportunity to figure out what you're putting into your body and why that's making your body feel that way. Same as budgeting. Finances are always a good analogy when it comes to fitness, but same thing with budgeting. Sure. Do I enjoy doing it? Nah, not really. But I love seeing where my hard-earned money is going. Um, so I know I, ha- I can categorize some to serve other people and give. And I know that it's doing its job versus just sitting there complaining about it the whole time. Oh, I got a budget. Just change your mindset. Look at it as an opportunity to learn who you are, how your body operates and how food works with your body. You got it. Yeah. On the topic of hormones, <clears throat> I see more and more and more because of people's chronic dieting. And I mean, we can get into a whole side topic on talking about yes. birth control Ooh. and medication and antibiotics and what that's doing to people's bodies. But the amount of people that are just wreaking havoc on their system by not eating enough food, I think is the bigger problem that I'm seeing now. And sometimes I'm just telling people that you need to go see my functional medicine doctor before we even talk about your nutrition, because I don't need to know more about what's going on with your blood and your hormones and all that shit before I even have a chance of being able to help you. Yes. It's, it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. You got to take the time to kind of look, look at all of that and take it into consideration or else you're going to be screwed down the road. Yep. I mean, the hormones, I mean, it's, I, I, I can't think of, I mean, if I were to try to think of a percentage, I would say 85, 80, 85% of people who first come to me think they're eating too much and they're not eating enough at all. Um, and there are extreme nutrient deficiencies, especially in protein. Um, mm. and it's, and it's, that's another thing actually going back to your other question. That's another thing that's really difficult is the whole concept of adding 
people think that, okay, I'm going to start with a fitness coach, I'm going to start on a, a diet, and I'm going to start getting things taken away from me. So immediately right off the bat, they go into it with a negative, you know, um, a feeling. They go into a negative feeling. Whereas like, no, we're going to add things that you need. You're not getting enough, um, you know, vitamins and minerals. We're going to add a couple of cups of spinach to your smoothies every day, whatever, to a salad, to your eggs. We're going to add some um, micronutrient things in there. We're going to add some protein because you're down in protein. We're going to add, add, add and teach that those things are healthy and your body needs them versus, oh, you know, God forbid they're extra calories. I'm going to get fat. Because the thing is too, um, I mean, this is a whole other thing as well. Like we said, we can go off on another tangent. This is people just aren't doing enough resistance training. Um, and so that comes into play where they're, they, they go into an endless cycle of I'm running two hours a day. I'm eating 1100 calories and I'm not losing weight. What the heck? is going on and th- then you know people go to am i in a am i in starvation mode and personally i don't yeah, what does that even like, <laughs> what, what does that, does that mean? mean like that you're definitely there there's it's called adaptive thermogenesis it means your metabolism is down regulated because you're just eating all your muscle mass in order to feed your body because you eat the protein of like a six sure and it's this it's this uh I don't, I don't like it that people like to call it starvation mode because that implies that you're defying the laws of physics. I mean, if you eat less than you're burning in a day, for the most part, you are going to lose a little bit of weight. It might not be anything that you can see on a scale, but there are going to be some micro changes because that's just, that's just the laws of the, of physics. I mean, that's the way it is, but there are definitely cases in which, like you said, your body definitely adapts. There's an interesting study that I saw a while back um, that I've used to kind of talk to people about what they're going through is this, it's this study on the Hadza tribe. And they're, they're a tribe of modern hunter-gatherers. And I don't even know what modern hunter-gatherer means. They're legit hunter-gatherers. I mean, I guess maybe modern because one of their, they're one of the last few hunter-gatherer tribes are in the world now, in the modern world now. Because, I mean, what is modern? Like, do they hunt with metal bows? I don't understand. But, <laughs> uh, they're, they're a tribe of, of hunter-gatherers and they have slower metabolisms than a lot of Western sedentary civilization, people in the Western world. And when people see that study, they're like, they don't, well, they either don't believe me. They're like, how is that possible? And so it's like, okay, let's talk about this. When you're, so our bodies do not understand calories in, calories out. They, it doesn't understand. I want to lose fat. I want to build muscle. Our bodies understand survival. So whatever signal you give to it, your body is going to adapt in order to survive or perform better at that activity. So you have these hunter gatherers who are on their feet hours and hours and hours every single day running around hunting gathering um and then their intake i have no idea what their intake is i have to look at the study but i'm sure it's very low i would guess somewhere between 800 and 1000 calories if that because they probably don't find an animal too often um and if they do it's just going to be a lot of fat and protein and then they're probably eating a lot of um berries and a lot of fruits and a lot of veggies which are for the most part low low calorie so they're getting a low calorie diet with a lot of activity and so their body then says okay if i'm going to survive I need to know how to spread the intake that I'm given and utilize it efficiently. And so I kind of like to use a car analogy here because it's so basically what happens is these people's bodies turns kind of turns into like a Prius, the engine of a Prius, where you get a certain amount of fuel and that engine is going to make it last a very long time. Whereas you have people who have very high muscle mass and they can eat whatever. 4,000 calories in a day and maintain their weight without too much activity because their body, their, their uh, muscle mass needs that food to maintain it. And so when it comes down to understanding your body, you might need to sit down and say, okay, am I doing too much cardio and eating too little and is my body adapting? How do I send a different signal to my body in order to tell it to do uh, or uh, use more fuel 
through less activity. So more fuel at rest. And that's where resistance training comes into play. Because if, if we were all marathon runners and if everybody that came to me for, for um, coaching wanted to be a long distance runner, I would change up everything and I would say, okay, cardio is your number one right now. This is what we're doing because that's their goal. But most people, I mean, I would, I would say for the most part, most of us just want to enjoy life. We want to look better naked and we want to be healthy. And so those three things are, for the most part, going to come down to um, having a faster metabolism at rest. And what do we do to get that? We're going to do some resistance training. We're going to put some lean mass on you and we're going to make sure that you are um, meeting all of your nutrient goals, whether it's macronutrients or micronutrients. We're going to make sure that you're meeting all those goals. Your body's giving everything that it needs in order to burn a lot of calories at rest because that's going to set you up for easier fat loss down the road. It's going to set you up for an easier lifestyle. I mean, think about it. If you were able to eat 2,500 calories. If a, if 150 pound females, it'd be 2,500 calories versus 1,200. I mean, think of the food options and the sustainability that would be there day to day. I mean, if I was that small eating 1,200 calories, worrying about gaining weight, I mean, I would have to be very selective with my food choices. I have to be very careful. Whereas if I have a 2,500 calorie budget, I have a little more wiggle room to enjoy my lifestyle, have the foods that I enjoy, um, and not worry so much about putting any body fat on. So it all comes down to understanding what's my body doing right now due to the signals that I am sending it and what new signals can I send in order to make my body adapt and change in a way that is preferable. Yeah. <clears throat> I think when you sit down and show people for the first time what their basal metabolic rate actually is and they realize that um, what it should be versus what they're actually eating is not necessarily a good thing. Like they're eating 1,200 and their basal metabolic rate is 1,400. And then you go, you're doing two hours of cardio on top of that. Plus you live a pretty active daily life. That's, that's where the breakdown happens. That's where adaptive thermogenesis sets in. And they don't realize that your basal metabolic rate makes up 70% of the, of the equation. Right. And you're exactly right. There's only one way to improve that. And that's to improve your muscle mass. And when you do go into starvation, <laughs> I know words, when, when you go into starvation mode, your body just goes survival mode. The only thing that I can do at this point is slow down my metabolism. I'm going to leverage the protein from the muscle mass that I have in order to fuel myself. And I'm going to store anything and everything that I get at this point, because I'm just not really sure if I'm going to have enough calories in order to keep myself exactly. alive. And that's what, that's where you get this skinny fat yes. look that people hate. They do tons of cardio. They just carry the fat around their stomach and they feel like, man, I made progress. I'm down 10 pounds. You're like, well, you're, you've lost 10 pounds of muscle mass, not 10 pounds of fat. The, the way I heard it best one time was like with fat loss, it's a matter of coaxing it out. You almost have to like trick your body into thinking that you're eating just enough, like not too much, not too little. And anytime you get with extreme with that ratio, your body's going to fight back and it will always, always yeah, win. It's, always, it's, it's very smart. It's very intelligent. We are where we are today because our bodies knew how to adapt um, and you know keep us in a, a healthy state. That way we could continue to do the things that we could do. And so um, all this comes down to like those of you that are listening, just take the time to understand what your body is doing. I mean, because even going back to the basal metabolic rate thing, although you know, cause I have all my clients get body fat and, um, like their body composition tested every single month. So I can see what's going on. The, it'll tell me my, you know, I can calculate their basal metabolic rate and their total daily energy expenditure, you know, but nothing is going to give me a better, um, 
idea of what's really happening than the food that they're eating. So before anybody starts with me, you know, they're tracking their intake for a week because although your basal metabolic rate, you know, might be 1400 based on your, you know, your age, your weight, your height, your, your lean muscle tissue, whatever, um, you could be eating 1200 calories a day and nothing's happening. So it's like, okay, the 1200 calorie point is where we need to start and make some adjustments versus just automatically assuming, oh, it's 1400. Now let's put on extra 200 um, as you build a little bit of muscle mass. And the next thing you know, they've gained, you know, six pounds of body fat because it was too much at once. The best indicator um, that people have to tell themselves what's going on is their history. So tracking everything that you do and i know it sounds like a pain but it's going to pay off so much down the road but tracking every single thing that you do is going to be one of the most beneficial things that you can do for yourself i mean long term just have an understanding of what exactly is going on yeah and that's the concept of reverse dieting that people don't understand which is slowly reintroducing food into your diets until your metabolism has an opportunity to catch up i mean you see it a lot actually in bodybuilding where these you know, you have to take your calorie deficits to extreme or mm-hmm. get stage ready. And then people who aren't really experienced step off the stage and they just go ham on any and everything that they're eating. And legitimately, you know, I've seen people put on 10 pounds of pure body fat in 24 uh, yeah, hours because so, you know, you just got to make slow increments. So you're exactly right. I do the exact same thing. It's let's figure out where you're at versus where you right. should be. And then let's game plan on how we're going to reintroduce food into that. And yes, I need you to track. And yes, I need you to be consistent because the only way that I know how to make changes in order to optimize that is if you report back to me what you're actually putting in your freaking mouth. Right. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Sweet. Well, what's next for you, man? I know it's been a big year oh, man, so far. I mean, there's um, but what's there's the a lot. Move? I mean, I, like I said, I wanted to get that podcast rolling. Um, one of the things, you know, if I'm being open and vulnerable with people, which I try to be, you know, you know, as much as I possibly can, one of the hardest things has been like a fear of not doing the best. And that's keeping me from like, okay, so I'm sitting here thinking, if I had a podcast, would I do it by myself? Who would, if I didn't, who would my host be? And eventually, you know, I'm like, it's May. My goal was to start a podcast at some point in 2018. Like, I better get on it. And no matter what I do, like we talked about at the beginning, I'm going to come back and I'm going to see that what I was doing was bad, <laughs> you know, and it, it might've served people <laughs> at the time, but there, if, if I'm not making changes, if I'm not able to look back and say, Oh, I'm glad I'm doing a better job now, then what, well, you know, what am I doing with my time? So I just need to get up and go. So that's one of the things that's on next. Um, as far as, uh, pulling fitness stuff, um, other than that, you know, not too much, just working on growing clientele and um, reaching as many people as I possibly can. I've been focusing more on shifting my mindset to just serving people and touching lives as much as possible. I know that sounds super cliche and super cheesy. Um, so I'm taking my sight off of numbers, so, you know, so to speak, as far as business goes, and just looking at people and saying, how can I, because that's the reason I did this in the first place. I said, you know, I can create some sort of product and market it to millions and millions of people and hope that, you know, hundreds of thousands buy it or I can I can create something that involves relationships and build really close relationships and a really close community with whatever 20 to 70 people for example um, and I that's the reason I do what I do now is because I knew I wanted those those relationships and I wanted to be close with those people and so um, I'm really just kind of going through everything and, and kind of 
implementing that mindset and saying, um, how can I, you know, shift the way I'm thinking in order to serve people better? Um, so that's, that's going on there. I mean, other than that, man, not so much, uh, getting serious with, uh, with, with the girls. So, um, hopefully there'll be something coming up special there soon. Uh, so that's exciting as well. Um, very, I'm very excited <laughs> for that. Exciting. Uh, she's a freaking sweetheart. My gosh, she's an angel. Um, and then let's see. I don't know. She puts well, up with your ridiculous. That's what I'm that's saying. That's probably like, the best part. I, I watched her on Instagram, man. <laughs> hey, yeah, shameless plug. If you want to see me, uh, you know, tease my girlfriend quite a bit on Instagram, go for it. It's a pretty good laugh. Um, yeah, give yourself a shout out oh, real yeah. quick. So, handle, handle yeah, handles, uh, so it's Adam underscore Pullman Fit. And then the last name, I'm sure he'll have it up on the notes, but it's P O E H L M A N N. So that's that. Um, and then other than that, man, nothing much. Uh, just playing a lot of baseball this summer and playing some softball. Really loving that. Making sure I can kind of get back to, um, you know, so to speak, who I was and try to rebuild that healthy relationship and understand I love baseball, but baseball is not who I am. Just like I love fitness, but fitness is not who I am. So just kind of going back into that and just really learning to enjoy it for the sport that it is. Um, and also just working on meeting a bunch of new people. We talked about um, – I met uh awesome guy, your buddy Joe Buckner the other day. We sat down and, and um, I had my first acai bowl, uh, which was great. It's just a glorified smoothie though. Um, <laughs> like it's literally – did you go to that? Did you go to uh, that new place truck, that opened up? I went to the truck in Fort Collins. Uh, I forget what it's called. Um, it is, oh, okay, I mean, yeah. it is amazing. But I'm sitting here looking at it and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much just a smoothie, not blended. Uh, so, so uh, but it was delicious. But anyway, just trying to meet a bunch of new people and really grow. I'm trying to work on my self awareness and understand that I can really learn from anybody, no matter what their age is, what their experience is, there's always something I can learn from someone else, no matter what the, what the situation is. Um, and so I'm trying to be very open-minded in that sense and just trying to meet as many people as I possibly can. If they're willing to speak into my life a little bit, let me know um, what they see and just be as objective as I possibly can as I take on life, as I grow Pullman Fitness and, and also just focusing on gratitude and joy. So um, that's kind of where I'm headed there, man. And uh yeah, I mean, just I'm just excited. I'm one of those cheesy guys that's pretty much excited and happy like 24 seven. So that's me. <laughs> yeah. I think that I think that's what I love about you the most, man. Is it's just like every time we talk, it's I invigorating. So I'm just excited to watch you kill it. And like I always tell you, if you need, anything oh, I appreciate that, you, man. Absolutely, dude. Of course, I appreciate you uh, reaching out. I love being on here too. This was a ton of fun. I mean, yeah. I could, I could, there's, oh yeah, yeah I could seriously sit. I understand how we could be here for like five hours. This is a blast. I know. Um, that's why I had to cut it But yeah, no, I appreciate being on here and I appreciate, uh, you know, your friendship as we get to know each other more, man. And I, I'm just a kind of a note for the people who are outside of the fitness community. I'm really, really happy to see that we're, you know, we're starting to see some sort of shift where businesses, coaches are really getting to a point where we're understanding that it is the people that we serve, not the businesses that we run. And so we're all in this community to help people grow as better individuals. And so it doesn't matter if you have pursuit and I have Pullman Fitness, we're all in this together. We're serving the same people. So why don't we just talk and open up the floor and let each other grow? That way the people we care about are being served well. You know what I'm saying? Awesome, dude. Amen. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your night. And, uh, well, thanks Absolutely, for being man. here. Thank we'll you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. See you, man. All right, buddy. See ya.